0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from the Prayer Room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. The Book of Revelation, Session 30, The Scroll of Revelation and the Prophets. Now, uh, admittedly, tonight is really kind of part one, and then next Saturday night is kind of part two of the same concept. Tonight we're going to be talking about the scroll which we introduced in the, in the previous session. We talk about the scroll in Revelation chapter 6, uh, 5 and 6. And uh, tonight what we're going to do is we're going to talk about that scroll and where else it shows up in scripture so that we've got a little bit more clarity about what that scroll is, how it works. I gave you a little forewarning last week that there are multiple other passages where this scroll shows up. And I'll let you know what those verses were, those uh, chapters, so that you could go look at it if you wanted to. Tonight, we're going to dive into those chapters. We're going to look at the subject. And then next week, we're going to go back to Revelation 5 and 6. And we're going to kind of keep running uh, with this concept. But I I wanted to give us a a foundation uh, in this scroll in a significant way. So we're going to be looking at parallel passages in the Old Testament and then going back to Revelation. In the Old Testament, back to Revelation. We're going to be going back and uh, forth uh, talking about the scroll that we find in Revelation uh, chapter 5 and 6. We also find it in chapter 10 and 11 of Revelation. We find it in Ezekiel 2 and 3. We find it in Daniel chapters uh, 11 and 12. And so we're going to be looking at these passages and kind of breaking it down a little bit. So without any further ado, I'm going to jump in to the Ezekiel 2 and 3 passage here. uh, I've given you all the verses or the the ones that we're going to look at out of each of these uh, passages. And I'm going to read it. And kind of make some commentary as we go. And then we'll break down some of the themes that we find in these passages that help us to understand this scroll. And I just want to say it again. I believe this scroll is the most important document in heaven. It's the one that is the most talked about, the most celebrated. I mean, even the Lamb's Book of Life doesn't have as much content about it as this scroll this scroll has significant amount of information. And it's the, the document in heaven that's got all of heaven's attention. So I think it's worth us spending the time to go and, uh, and do the homework to understand what we're looking at. All right. Page 1, Ezekiel 2 and then also chapter 3. Son of man, I am sending you to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They are obstinate and stubborn. Whether they listen or fail to listen... They will know that a prophet has been among them. Do not be afraid of their words. Do not be afraid, though you live among scorpions. You must speak my words to them, son of man. Listen to what I say to you. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Then I looked, and I saw a hand stretched out to me. In it was a scroll. So here we have the prophet Ezekiel. He's receiving prophetic information from the Lord. And the, uh, the, the instruction is, don't be afraid. You've got some really tough things that you're going to have to say. I'm going to have you prophesy to an obstinate people that is stubborn, that is set against me. They are wicked. There's a, there's a real issue in their spirit. And whether they listen to you or not, you still need to, to speak these words. And he says, I want you to open your mouth and eat what I give you. And then he opens up his hand and he stretches out a scroll. It says, in it was a scroll which he unrolled before me. On both sides of it were written words of lament and mourning and woe. Son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll. Then go and speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. Son of man, fill your stomach with it. So I ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. And he said to me, son of man, go now and speak my words to them. You're not being sent to a people of obscure speech and strange language, strange language, but to the people of Israel, not to many peoples whose words you cannot understand. Now, in this scenario, the prophet Ezekiel is receiving a prophetic message, and its primary intention is for the people of Israel in the day of Ezekiel. It's for the nation of Israel while Ezekiel's is alive and prophesying. But there's, as is the case with many uh, prophecies, There is dual fulfillment because there are components of what Ezekiel is prophesying that were not fulfilled when he went to Israel and he spoke these words to them. There are carryover components that don't find their fullest uh, unfolding, their fullest fulfillment until the end times. And we're going to see this same language pop up again in Revelation chapter 10, which we'll look at here in a minute. But the part that I just want to give you is Ezekiel is told He's going to be given a very difficult message on a two-sided scroll, and that scroll has woes on both sides. Just a little point of connection. If you guys uh, don't know it, the final three um, uh, trumpets in the book of Revelation are called the, the the final woes. Woe one, two, and three coincide with uh, with trumpet five, six, and seven. Just a little nerd point there if you wanted it. Point is here, this scroll has got woes, laments, mourning, difficult message, difficult prophetic content written on both sides of it. And the prophet Ezekiel is told, you need to eat this scroll and then you need to prophesy what it is uh, that, that uh, it says. All right, let's go on to the next passage. Next, uh, we're in Daniel chapter 11 and 12. Now, I included Daniel 11 and 12 because the content of what's going on there is all related. And uh, I gave you kind of uh, an excerpt there. It's 11, 28 through 36. And then I skipped over to chapter 12, 1 through 13. And the message here, Daniel is being shown significant end time content. And once again, it's on a scroll. All right. And so we see the prophet Daniel having this incredible end time prophetic revelation. And as he is, (coughs) he's uh, he's told details about the end of the age, about the Antichrist, about the final three and a half years. He's given significant details here in this passage. And he is told that that these details are going to be sealed up on a scroll and uh, that that he's not going to be able to have access to it. So I'll just read it to you. All right, Daniel 11, and then all the way through the end of chapter 12. The king, this is talking about the Antichrist, will be set against the holy covenant. His armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and to abolish the daily sacrifice. Then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. If you don't know what that is, it's the mark of the beast idol. So in the book of Revelation, there's the the mark of the beast and there's this idol that's going to be set up. That's what we're looking at here that Daniel's having revelation about. It says, the abomination that causes desolation. But the people who know their God will firmly resist him. Though Talking about the people that hold true to Jesus, firmly resisting the Antichrist. Those who are wise will instruct many, though for a time they will fall by the sword or be burned or captured or plundered. Talking about the end time martyrdom. So that they they may be refined, purified, and made spotless until the time of the end, for it will still come at the appointed time. Martyrdom is going to have a profound impact on the church in the most positive sense. Martyrdom will not rob the church of its impact. It will actually amplify the church of its impact. Because those that don't get martyred are going to have to decide all the stronger, are we in or are we out? And if we're in, let's hold the line and even be willing to lose our lives for Jesus if need be. All right, the king will do as he pleases. He will exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed for what has been determined must take place. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. You see the balance here, the balance of power. There's the Antichrist and his aggression. It says he's going to do as he pleases. He's going to be boastful. He's going to conquer Jerusalem. He's going to do terrible things. But then there's also the the people of righteousness that are walking in power. And it says they're going to shine like the brightness of the heavens. Now, as Daniel's receiving all this, the angel tells him, but you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll." Until the time of the end. Daniel is being given all this information on an end time scroll. And Daniel is told, now you, Daniel, seal it up until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase in knowledge. There before me stood two others. Now Daniel is still in this encounter. And he sees three. He sees one who's described as the man in linen. And then we see two more angels that are described as being on either side of the river here. There before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. The man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, lifted his right hand and his left hand towards heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, It will be for a time, times, and half a time. When When the power of the holy people has finally been broken, all these things will be completed." Go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and they're sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. But those who are wise will understand, as for you, go your way until the end. All right, so here we've got Daniel, he's standing on the side of the river, he sees two angels and then another mighty angel that's in the air that's above, this man in linen, and He's being told, all this prophetic information that I've been giving you, write it down on an end time scroll and seal it up until the time of the end. Multiple times in this passage it says, until the time of the end, until the time of the end. I want this information written down on the scroll. I want for the church forever to know that it exists, but I also want it sealed up until the time of the end. All right, you kind of tracking what's going on here? Daniel has this encounter with this one who's clothed in linen, and it says of him that he's above the river, that he's, he lifts his right hand And his left hand towards heaven. He swears by him who lives forever and ever. And he says it will be for a time, times, and half a time. That means three and a half years. All right. So in Daniel's encounter here in Daniel chapter 11 and 12, it's all about the end times. He's told it's a three and a half year period of time, the great tribulation. He's given this information by a mighty angel. And he's told all of this, write it on the scroll and seal it up until the end. All right. You with me so far? All right, let's go on to the third passage, and then we'll break down some of the themes. Now we're going to go to Revelation chapter 10 and 11. Revelation chapter 10 and 11, we see this scroll again. So let me just read it. This is uh, bottom of page two, if you're tracking with me. I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. I want you to pay close attention to this mighty angel. I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head, His face was like the sun, his legs were like fiery pillars. Holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand, he planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven say, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Then the angel on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and he swore by him who lives forever and ever. And he said, there will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced it to his servants, the prophets, go take the scroll, take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. I ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. I was told the Gentiles will trample on the holy city for 42 months. That's three and a half years. And I will appoint my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. 1260 days is also three and a half years. Okay, so now what we've got in this Daniel passage is we have got the Ezekiel 2 and 3 and the Daniel 11 and 12 all brought together because now we've got the encounter that Ezekiel was having related to take this scroll and eat its contents and then prophesy it. And then we've also got the Daniel account of it's all about the end times. It's the clear, uh, you know, great tribulation period, a time of great distress, uh, three and a half years long It's going to be super tough. I want you to take this scroll that's all about the end time scenario. That's all about the prophetic revelation of the end of the age. I want you to take this scroll and I want you to eat it. And after you've eaten it and after you've digested this message, then I want you to turn around and prophesy it. Okay. We've now looked at those three passages. So hopefully you've got them at least a little bit in your head. And now I can reference back to them. Let's talk about this mighty angel. It's the same angel giving the scroll to Daniel As it was to John in the book of Revelation. You catch that? The details about him were the same. I'll give you a few of those details. He stands above the waters. In one case, in the Revelation uh, verse, he planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. This makes him a very big angel if you can't picture it. Daniel 12 says, The man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river. So in this scenario, he's above the waters of the river. In the other scenario, he's uh, rooted his feet uh, on the land and on the sea, so he's over half the sea and over half the land. Next, what he says about the timing. In Revelation, he says, there will be no more delay. The mystery of God will be accomplished. Daniel 12, 7, it says, it will be for a time, times, and half a time when the power of the holy people has been finally broken. All these things will be completed. So, Daniel, all these things will be completed. Revelation, the mystery of God will be fully accomplished. All right? It's the same concept. This angel is communicating to the prophets all about the promised uh, fulfillment of all this end-time revelation that's written on this scroll. All right? And he lifts his hands to heaven. I think it's just so interesting this detail made it into both Revelation 10 and Daniel 12. He raised his right hand to heaven. In Daniel 12, it says he raised his right hand and his left hand to heaven. So, in either case, he's raising his hand. Now, I just want to tell you, I am uh, fully convinced this angel is Jesus. And I'll give you why in uh, five points or whatever. The angel is described the same way as Jesus. You notice in uh, Revelation, you might want to go back and look at this uh, when you have a little bit more time. Because I'm going to go quickly, so I'm not going to have time to kind of unpack it all. But this angel in Daniel 12 is just called the man in linen. But nowhere else in Daniel 11 or 12 is this man in linen mentioned. So you have to go back to where in the book of Daniel is this man in linen introduced. The man in linen is introduced in chapter 10 and I gave you the verse that's describing him and it's these language points or these uh, components of the definition of this angel, they are language that are only reserved for Jesus. All right, They are language that are used to describe him in multiple other places in the word. I looked up, this is a, Top of page four, letter D. Oh, you know what? I don't know if, I think I changed the notes. You guys may not have this uh, at that point. This, this actually may not even be in your notes. So you might want to make note of this, that uh, Daniel chapter 10, five through six, I'm going to read it, but you want to write down, Daniel chapter 10, five through six. I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, His face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. The man in linen is Jesus, okay? But we find out in the book of Revelation that he's called a mighty angel, okay? But it's the same guy giving the message, all right? All right, let's keep going. Who did he swear by? I just think this is so interesting. Revelation 10 and uh, Revelation 12, 7, he swore by him who lives forever and ever. Revelation, uh, Daniel 12, I heard him swear by him who lives forever and ever. I just want to bring up to you Hebrews 6, 13, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. I also want to inv- invite you back into the Sermon on the Mount where we are told, do not swear by anybody or anything. If anybody has the right to swear by anything, it's God swearing on himself. Okay? So here we have this angel who is swearing by himself. Or, or who is swearing by the one who lives forever and ever. But when we do the cross-referencing, we see that the one that he's swearing, that the one who's speaking, the man in linen, has got the same definition or, or description as Jesus. He swears by himself. He also roars like a lion. Revelation 10.3 10, uh, He gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. Now, it's not that an angel couldn't shout like a lion. I guess they could do that, I guess. But we're already told in the book of Revelation that this lamb is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so it just stands to reason that the lion is going to shout like a lion. Also, in Hosea 11.10, this is a little bit later in that same section, if, uh, if you can find it says, they will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. Just so you can kind of track with what's happening here, when we go back to the Revelation 10 verse where it says that this mighty angel roars like a lion, the time frame in this is in the process of the Great Tribulation period, and it's right before all of the people of Israel wind up returning to the nation of Israel. Uh, in, in, when Jesus finally winds up... As king in Jerusalem, ruling and reigning forever. So the Hosea passage is actually, I believe, referencing Revelation or, or Revelation 10:3 is referencing Hosea because we see, again, I'll read it to you: they will follow the Lord, he will roar like a lion, and when he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. The people will return to the nation of Israel. Okay? So we've got a, a connection point here. Lastly, for me, it's pretty simple. Revelation 5 says there's only one dude who can touch the scroll. There's only one guy, and his name is Jesus. Revelation 5, 3 through 5, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So I think that the only one who has permission to hold this scroll and do anything with it is Jesus. And so I think that it's very clear that the angel that we're looking at in Revelation 10 and then also in Daniel chapter 11 and 12 is, the revel- is, the, uh, uh, is Jesus, okay? Now, um, one more point here as we, uh, as we move on. well, No, let's just, we don't have time. We'll just move on to uh, number three. So the scroll was given to be consumed, all right? This scroll is given for the sake of consumption. That's why it's given. That's why it's put in the hands. And Jesus is into partnership, okay? So we rule and reign with Christ, and really when Jesus wants to get the majority of his stuff down on the planet done down here, he uses you and me. It's not that he couldn't just do it. He just wants to partner. It's how he loves to get the kingdom done. The Great Commission, he doesn't do himself. He lets us do the Great Commission. But it's his Great Commission that we're partnering with him for, so it makes a lot of sense that the, that the lamb, who's the only one worthy to, to have the scroller look inside it, is sharing the responsibility and the partnership of that scroll, both in the end time drama and even leading up to it, in the end time drama and then in the age to come, that rulership, that title deed of the earth. It's, it makes sense that Jesus is sharing that partnership uh, with his people. All right, the scroll is given to them. Ezekiel 3.2, he gave me the scroll. Revelation 10, 9, so I went to the angel and I asked him to give me the little scroll. In both cases, we see the scroll being given. Next, the message is end time revelation. We see in Revelation chapter 10, verse 7. And again, we're connecting all these passages. So because we have got enough clarity, these passages are all telling us about the same scroll. Then we can start to learn from one uh, passage to help us to understand aspects of another. So here's a great example. Revelation ten seven, In the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished. It's clear that, this, that the message written on this scroll is end time revelation. That it's the mysteries of God related to the end times being revealed. And it says in uh, Revelation ten seven, that that the seventh angel, uh, talking about the seventh trumpet angel... Which when the seventh trumpet sounds, by the way, that's when Jesus comes back at the last trumpet. Jesus returns at the last trumpet. It says, when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished. This is right in the middle of the passage in Revelation chapter 10, talking about this end time scroll being unraveled or, or, or being made a, a, available. The scroll lies open in the hands of this angel. Just giving you a bunch of the verses that give us clarity that we're talking about the same passage or the same, uh, the same scroll. Ezekiel 2.9, I looked and I saw a hand stretched out to me and it was a scroll. Revelation 10.8, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel. They say the same thing. The scroll is to be eaten. Ezekiel 3.1-2, son of man, eat what is before you, eat this scroll, then go speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth. And he gave me the scroll to eat. The scroll is to be eaten. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about that subject in a future session when we talk about the forerunner ministry. But for now, I'm just going to say the scroll must be eaten. But there's two things about the scroll when it's eaten. First, the scroll tastes sweet when it's eaten. Ezekiel 3.3, 3, I'm in uh, part uh, E on page uh, 5 or 6. I'm not sure where it's at for you guys. The scroll tastes sweet when eaten. Ezekiel 3:3. So I ate it. It tasted sweet as honey in my mouth. But then look in Revelation. Take it and eat it. In your mouth it will be sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and I ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. So we see that this scroll, when it's eaten, it tastes sweet. Part of that is the revelation that God gives of his end time plans. It's actually sweet. I can just testify in the oddest sense. I was a person when we got our calling here to start a daily prayer meeting at 5 a.m. and not stop. Until Jesus came back, the concept of the end times was a totally foreign concept to me. I mean, I'd, I knew it existed, I'd, but I'd never taught on it. I'd only thought about it twice. I mean, it was not something I gave any attention to. I can think of nothing. I mean, with the exception of maybe the study of the greatest commandment, which really the greatest commandment and Jesus' end time plan. They're really two sides of the same plan. But I can think of very few things that have been as sweet as studying the end times and seeing the plan of Jesus. The plan of Jesus. Even in the midst of the most difficult points of the book of Revelation, the angels, right after a judgment, they cried, Just and true are your ways, O God. They decry, You are good. Your ways are sweet. Your ideas, your concepts, who you are, what you stand for, it's good and sweet. So when you eat the scroll, it tastes sweet. But another aspect, Revelation 10, 9 through 10, take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour. When I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. It's interesting because both of the prophets are told to prophesy only after they've digested it. Not when they've eaten it initially. They need to go from beyond the, the, just the sweetness of the word of God. They need to be able to digest the message and... In its bitterness, in its difficulty, be able to figure out how to communicate it. And so it is a very difficult message to those that do not love Jesus because the whole message is Jesus is coming duck. And for those that are not in agreement with his ways, it is going to be sour. It is going to be bitter. Next, there is an appointed time for eating the scroll. I gave you there the Ezekiel passage. I'm sending you to a rebellious nation that have been in revolt against me to this very day. So there we see the timing to this very day, that, that moment. But then also in Ezekiel 3, just the next verse, I saw a hand stretched out to me and it was a scroll. Eat this scroll, then go and speak to the people. Go now to the people and speak my words to them. It's talking about the, the period of gestation, of receiving the message, and then a period of time lapsing, and then the message being proclaimed uh, to those that, that need it. Revelation 10, we see very similarly. There will be no more delay. So now it's it's a timing indicator. Now, after the scroll has been digested, there will be no more delay. In the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced it to his servants, the prophets. So in both of these passages, we see that the scroll must be digested. And then after that, then is the time for proclamation. The scroll is for the end time forerunners. All right, let's look at this. In the Daniel uh, passage, we see these wise ones identified. Daniel 11 and Daniel 12, I gave you three verses here. Those who are wise will fall by the sword or be burned or captured or plundered. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness in the heavens. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. We see here the prophet Daniel being given specific revelation that there is a group of people at the end of the age that will operate in end time clarity. They will have understanding. They will be those that have eaten the scroll and have clarity about the hour that they're living in. The wise ones are going to turn many to righteousness it says Daniel 11:33 those who are wise they'll instruct many Daniel 12:3 those who are wise will shine like the brightness in the heavens and those who uh, will lead many to righteousness they will be like the stars that shine forever and ever so we see that the the end time forerunner ministry is deeply connected to this scroll Because I'm just giving you verses out of these scroll passages. Ezekiel 2 and 3, Revelation 10 and 11, and then Daniel uh, uh, 11 and 12. These are all coming out of that. They are told to prophesy the message. Ezekiel 2, 7, you must speak the words to them, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. Ezekiel 3, 4, son of man, go now to the people of Israel and speak the words to them. Revelation 10. Then I was told, you must prophesy. In both of these, we see the prophet being commanded, you've got to take this message. It's not enough for you to know it. You've got to speak it. You've got to go preach these words. It's the forerunner ministry at the end of the age receiving end time revelation, chewing on the clear, chewing on the scroll, devouring the scroll, and then turn around and prophesy and speaking it to their generation. I gave you a a verse there in uh, Ezekiel's local context. He was told, right now, for this message, you are not to go to foreign peoples of obscure speech and strained language, those that you can't understand. Then, John, in Revelation uh, 10, he's told the exact opposite. I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. So Ezekiel was told, I've got specifically related to this languages thing. I want you to stay focused on Israel. Then Daniel, or, or, uh, John in the book of Revelation is told, you must prophesy about many people's languages and nations. Okay, I'm going to skip down to part five. The scroll is sealed until the end. The scroll was sealed. Daniel 12, 4. You, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase in knowledge. We've got Daniel 12, 9 through 10. Go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. Both times, Daniel is told the words are sealed up. What's the purpose of sealing the information? A significant purpose. It's not the only but a significant purpose is to create hunger. Okay? Let me read to you these uh, words in Proverbs 2, 1 through 6. we got to make sure we understand the book of Proverbs are universal principles about the kingdom. When we read the book of Proverbs, it's useful for every generation. The book of Proverbs is teaching us the most practical instructions about life. So, the word of wisdom, Proverbs uh, 2 My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight, and if you cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. I believe that a significant reason that the scroll is is sealed up, it's not the only purpose. But I believe a significant purpose is to create hunger in order to get as much out of that scroll as the Lord will be willing to release. And we know that there is a significant amount of it that's locked up until the end. The destiny of this scroll, Revelation twelve four. we want to investigate what happens with this scroll. You, Daniel, roll up the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase in knowledge. So this scroll... When Daniel is done sealing it up, it's not a done deal. It's not, the, the scroll doesn't disappear. We want to understand that there's continuity in time here. Daniel seals up this scroll, and the scroll has future purpose. The scroll is, still exists. It has future purpose. It says, it, the scroll will be sealed up until the time of the end. We find out in Revelation 5 and Revelation 6, this scroll isn't just sealed. It's sealed with seven seals. This scroll is sealed up tight. Okay? Revelation chapter 5, we see the scroll reappear. And we're going to spend more time on this particular point in our next session. But I just want to read it to you. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. The lamb took the scroll and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. The contents of the scroll are made accessible again. We find in Revelation chapter 10. I was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. Now again, if this is Jesus, and I think that it is, He's making the contents of the scroll available to the end time church. Revelation 10, 8 through 10 says, Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me once more, Go and take the scroll that lies open in the hand of uh, the angel who's standing on the sea and the land. Go and take it. So I, took, so I went to the angel and I asked him to give me the little scroll. And he said, Take it and eat it. Now this is book of Revelation, end times. End-time prophets, end-time, John in this uh, scenario is representative of the end-time prophetic messengers, okay? Because John went on to be with the Lord just a a few years after he had the book of Revelation, okay? But John is is in this vision, he's representing the entire end-time church, the wise ones from Daniel chapter 12. He's representing the entire end time prophetic movement that are going to take the scroll and devour it and then turn around and re-prophesy it. Take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. So I took the little scroll from the angel's hands and I ate it and I, it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but I, when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Again, I'm just trying to make the point. The scroll has been sealed, but the scroll will be made available, okay? Sealed and made available again, all right? Sealed until the time of the end. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. One of the most significant components here, and then we're going to break up into groups. One of the most significant components is that the content of this scroll was always intended to be made known. That which was put on this scroll and sealed up, sealed up tight, was still supposed to be made known... And the fullness of it is going to be made known at the end of the age. Okay. Well, with that, let's break up into some small groups here. Let's do some uh, time of discussion. Andy, how many groups do we have tonight? Four We've got four groups. Uh, seven or eight in your group. All right. Has everybody got theirs? Luke, you guys got yours? Chris, you guys got yours? Question? Okay. All right, well, we'll go ahead and uh, transition now to our time of Q&A, and uh, as always, I'll repeat the questions so that those that are watching online uh, or listen to the message later can hear your questions. And so uh, why don't we start uh, with Andy in the back? So the, call to, um, to get in so the call to eat the scroll and to get end-time revelation, what does that look like? Um So uh, there's, let me give a little disclaimer for probably every one of the questions you're gonna ask. Initially, this document that I I started on was probably about 25 or 30 pages that I had to then divide up into different sessions. And so there's, it's really, it really all coulda, shoulda been one session because it would help answer questions. So there's, there's some stuff you might even be interested about that I'm gonna defer to next week because next week is really going to help fill in some of the gaps. Uh, and then the, uh, the particular question that Andy just asked, related to what does it really look like to eat the scroll, um, I'll just give a little snapshot in the next week uh, and, and, and a future session as well. Um, the amount of content that we are given about the end times in the Bible is more than the amount of content we're given about anything I know of. There is a lot written in the Bible about the end times because the Lord wants the church to understand the end times so that the church can be super participating, not confused. But in order to do that, there's a, it takes a long time to eat an elephant. I mean, you've got you to really chew on that thing. There's a lot of bites to take. And so uh, to eat the scroll, as I uh, most understand that, it's to take the 150 chapters about the end times seriously. Seriously enough that you just decide in your spirit, it's not okay with me if in a decade I'm this illiterate about the end times. It's not okay with me. I am not going to die with no clarity. I am not going to pass on to my children zero understanding about the end times, I am going to eat the scroll. Now, the only way that you are going to have effectively eaten it is to have put a significant amount of energy into it. And so, uh, in its most broad uh, or basic sense, to eat the scrolls means spend a lot of time reading, meditating, journaling, studying, cross-referencing, Bible end times, passages, events, trends, and ideas. Uh, and it couldn't hurt to come to a Bible study on the book of Revelation. That probably would not hurt your cause. Um, so, uh, so great question. And it, in all honesty is I think one of the most important questions related to the end times, and it's one that very few are asking. I think one of the most important questions related to the entire subject of the end times is what does it mean to eat the scroll? I think that is a, a significant point. So Luke, what was your question over here? The scroll is sealed with seven seals. How do we eat it? Because we can't, it's not open. How do we eat it? This is the entire subject of next week. Um, Because, I'll give you the, the snapshot, everything about this scroll is mysterious. Everything. It's called mysterious. And what mystery means is, is complex. Mystery means layered. Mystery means that You can't just get it at a first glance. And so, I'll give you a great for instance. When we're reading any of the passages about the scroll, any of them, except the Revelation 5 and 6 passage, even reading Revelation 5, before you get to chapter 6, you read about the scroll being sealed, you would never naturally assume, ever, that a seal on that scroll equals a specific judgment on the planet. You would never have thought that. You would have thought it was a seal. Like, Like, you know, wax and a thing. And you open it and now it's not sealed anymore. You would have never thought that seal was a physical event that would happen on the planet. Because this scroll is mysterious and layered. So back to the Proverbs verse that I put in there there is a significant amount of information that's been sealed that the Lord will leak out to any hungry person. Then there's a significant amount of information that has been sealed until the final generation and it will still require hunger. And then there's specific revelation like the seven thunders that specifically that clarity with great clarity about that content will not be released until specific timing in the end. And so there's layers of revelation that is available, and the Lord always prods us to be hungry, and to the hungry he gives more, so uh, it's layered, and we'll talk more about that next week, so uh, great job seeing into our future. Okay, uh, Caitlin. So the Daniel 12 uh, occurrence and the Revelation um, 10 uh, uh, vision, the question is, are Daniel and John seeing the exact same thing or are they getting a similar vision at two different times? Is that kind of the question you're asking? I don't know. I I really don't know. I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, I, I would say... If it isn't the same thing, then it's certainly communicating the same thing. But like were we're John and Daniel like both kind of flies on the wall of eternity and neither of them realized the other one was sitting next to each other three feet away and they're both seeing this vision. I don't don't know. I don't know how all that works. There are aspects of mystery. But I, I will say this. Rather than ask the question that way, I would just say there are countless occasions in the Bible, specifically in the prophets and the minor prophets, there are countless occasions where the prophets are quoting the same phrases. They're having visions and they're seeing the same thing. Is it the same exact vision or is it they're getting told the same content? We we don't know exactly how all that works. Um, but, uh, But the bottom line is that the communication that they're being given and the revelation that then is supposed to be passed on to the church, to us, and throughout human history, is the same message. Uh, So I'll I'll say it that way. So great question, good thing to ponder in a two-hour prayer meeting, sign up for Sacred Trust. Okay, Uh, what's your question over here? If Jesus is the only one worthy to take the scroll at Revelation 5, why is John able to take it and get it? So if Jesus is the only one worthy to take the scroll, why is John able to take the scroll? Uh, Again, back to my disclaimer earlier about next session related to the layered, mysterious nature of the scroll. Uh, John is not given... Okay, the the angel in Revelation 10 that's giving the scroll to John is Jesus. So Jesus is the only one that could hand off that information, but Jesus is the only one who's found worthy of to take the scroll and to open its seals, the, the seals, the sealed judgments, and, and even all that's meant related to what continues to be sealed uh, revelatory content-wise. Jesus is the only one who's able to open that, but Jesus, as the one who's worthy to take that scroll, has the capacity to give, just like we saw in Ezekiel, which was way before John. We saw Ezekiel was given information sealed on a scroll, told to eat it, and that that revelatory content was then, uh, he was told to prophesy. And so uh, there's, there's layers of mystery, and hopefully next session will give us at least a little bit more clarity uh, about that point. And I, I want to pon- encourage you to ponder these ideas, challenge them, pray through them, but I want to encourage you, look at all the Bible verses, not just one. In fact, I, I want to make that statement again for us who are trying to do our best to not be um, know-it-alls, Uh, If we could have the worship team come on up as well. So whoever the worship leader is, uh, if you'll head on up. We want to be those that are not aspiring to be know-it-alls. We're those that are... And not to have our little angle on theology, like I've got got the market on this idea. We want to be those that know what the Bible says and then say and agree with what the Bible says. That's our objective. So as we look at ideas and develop our theology, you want to... Uh, Make sure that the Bible ideas that you're forming account for other verses about the same subject. Uh, Even as recently as this week, I was talking with somebody and uh, they had, uh, I, I brought up a couple of verses about a specific subject. And their response was, yeah, but this verse about that subject and this verse about that subject. And I was talking about two verses about the subject, and they were talking about two verses about the subject, but I was trying to explain to them all four verses are about the subject, not just my two or your two. And the, the theological presentation that the person was bringing me only accounted for their two verses and did not account for the two that I presented. And we can't we, we can't form a a right theological construct without looking at all the verses that talk about the subject matter. So I just want to encourage you, as you're trying to search these things out, don't camp out on one verse. Let's see what the rest of the Word has to say about it, because it's going to help inform uh, the, the fullness of, of the thing. And so, This concludes this teaching from The Prayer Room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.